This morning my, I titled my message, Rejoice Because Your Names Are Written in Heaven. My friends, that is truly the reason that we rejoice, because our names is written in heaven. Uh, as I prepared my message this week, and as you're going to see as I work through here, a lot of scripture. Uh, I, as I sent, as I, when I print this off, I still, I'm kind of old-fashioned, I do it on the computer, then I print it off on the paper. And after I print it off, and then I send Rosanna an email with all my information. And I'll be honest, I bet she got, geesh, boy, that's a lot of scripture. <laughs> I know that, <laughs> I know. That's a long title, and I knew that too. So a long title with a lot of scripture. But, you know, you're, you're listening to hear the word of the Lord. It's not about me, and it's not about whomever. It's not about all these long stories, but it's the word of the Lord. So you're going to hear a lot of the word of the Lord this morning. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What could I leave out? I couldn't leave any part of that title out, right? We're going back to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs. Now remember, lambs are helpless. I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you, or near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Gorzin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sodom, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sodom at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. Listen to verse 16. He who hears you. So Jesus is telling the disciples, He who hears you, hears me. Friends, the preacher that's preaching the word of Jesus Christ. If you hear him, you're hearing Christ. He says to them, he who hears you, hears me. But also, he who rejects you, rejects me. So if you're rejecting that pastor that's preaching the truth of the word of God into you, you're rejecting Christ. 
He's saying if they reject you, we're going to move on to the next city. Don't be offended. It's not you they're rejecting. He's saying they're rejecting me. He says, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So that tells us he was there in the beginning. He saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because of those things, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we again worship you and praise you. We know that you are the God that created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. And Lord Jesus, we know that you was with the Father in the beginning. We know that you had your, your part in creation. You were there with him. But Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your salvation. We thank you that we can say, My Jesus... Thank you that we can say that today, that you are my Jesus. Each and every one that receives you and does not reject you, you are their Lord. You are their Savior. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray that your, your, your blessing would be upon this word spoken today, that you would receive the glory and the honor, Father. I pray that any hearts out there that might not know you, that might not have that personal relationship, that you would speak to them, Father, that you would just draw them unto yourself, for your glory and for your honor, Lord, that they be drawn into your kingdom, that, they, that their names will be written in that Lamb's book of life. Father, again, I just pray that you're anointing upon each one that is listening and pray you're anointing upon all the equipment to make this possible that your word can be spoken. And again, we just worship you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus sends out the 70 people. Is there any significance that he chose to send out 70. So he sent them out two by two. So that means, I'm pretty good at math, 35 groups going out ministering, right? Pretty good at math. But why 70? Why not 50? Why not 100? Why not 150? I don't know. But is it possible that he did this with an allusion, with an allusion to the 70 elders of Israel on whom the Spirit descended in the wilderness? Moses... In Numbers, chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, said, So Moses went out and told the people the word of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took the spirit that was upon him. So he took the spirit that was upon Moses and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. So God took the Spirit. Now, Moses still had the Spirit. He didn't remove it from him, but he took of the same Spirit and placed that same Spirit. So he had an abundance of the Spirit, right? The fullness of the Spirit and placed that same Spirit upon the 70 elders and they all prophesied as Moses was. So the 70 assisted Moses. So there's the 70 in Luke that assisted Jesus. 
He took, they, he blessed them with the Spirit. He blessed them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say that it was the same Spirit, the same Spirit that it was upon Jesus Christ is what was placed upon the 70 that went out. They were empowered to go out. The same power was upon them. And it's the same power, friends, that the Holy Spirit has today. The same Spirit can be upon us when we believe on Jesus Christ and receive Him. You know, the Lord gave His disciples many instructions in this passage of Scripture. First, He instructed disciples, or He told them, that the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Then He instructed them, Therefore pray, pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into His harvest. So who is the Lord of the harvest? God is. And He's asking us to seek the Father to send out laborers into His harvest. So it's not our harvest, it's His. But we are to pray that He would send helpers to help us in the work that He calls us to do. You know, Jesus looks upon the people with compassion. He knew the cities He was going to. He knew that they had a great need of salvation. He knew that they were lost. He knew that they, were, they had no direction in their lives. He knew that they lacked the leadership. He knew that they couldn't rely on the priest to lead them to salvation, to lead them in that, to the, the healing relationship with God, which is the only way that can be is with Jesus Christ. They sure weren't going to tell the people about Jesus. They wanted to kill Him. So He knew that they lacked leadership. So He says, pray. Pray for the harvest. Pray that the Lord will send helpers. You know, think about our world today. I want you to think about something. Well, a few things. Think about those in your family that are unsaved. In some cases... You might think of a son or a daughter that's unsaved. But there are some cases where it would be the opposite. There might be a child thinking of a parent that's unsaved. Think of your cousins that are unsaved, and maybe your cousin's family, their children that are unsaved. When we stop and really think of those that are unsaved, think of your neighbors that are unsaved. Think of your co-workers that are unsaved. Now, I'm not saying to think about these people with a judgmental attitude. That's not what I'm saying. But God's Word is clear. You'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. There are some that, yes, it is a little bit difficult to know are they saved or are they not. But for the many of them, it's very obvious. They're living a immoral, godly lives, and we know they're not saved. So friends, we can say, I know that I can say, you think of the people that I know is not saved, and I'm sure that you can all think the same thing and probably say the same thing. Today, the harvest truly is great. The, the, the harvest is great today. There is an abundance of people who need the Lord Jesus Christ, who need His forgiveness. I'm going to go off track just a little bit. I know I already did, right? You think of the things that we are going through now, Today is a nation. You know, there is a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty out there for our world, for our nation. 
A lot of people were probably wondering, I wonder how long I'm going to be furloughed. If you're among the millions that have been furloughed in the last couple weeks, you're probably wondering, is it going to be for a month? Is it going to be for a month and a half? Or is it going to be two months? I don't know. There's a lot of fear. What if I get the virus? How sick will I get? Will I have to go on a respirator? There's a lot of uncertainty. There's more questions today than there is answers, isn't there? When we look at society, when we look at our nation and the things that are going on. People are having to stay home. That's why these pews are not filled, right? A lot of uncertainty. But with that, I'm going to say there is one thing that is always certain, that is always sure, and that is God the Father and Jesus Christ, His Son. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Psalms 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. God is always truthful. You know, we may not be able to trust the news to tell us the truth. We might hear a lot of things out there that are blown out of proportion or not told accurately, but God will always be truthful. You can trust in Him. You can trust in His Word. It is certain. Look to Him if you're looking for answers. Don't look to the world. You know, in the world, financially, a lot of people think, well, I can be secure now. I'm getting older, you know. I've, I've been saving for many years and getting close to retirement. I'm not talking about myself here, even though I'm getting close to retirement. <laughs> but many people put their hope, they put their trust in the financial world. They, they, they save up this big old nest egg. But the financial markets, friends, go up and down and up and down. And sometimes, like it's done in the last couple few weeks, it crashes. That big nest egg that you thought you had is no longer very full. So don't put your trust in security in the financial markets of the world, but put them in Him. In the world, peace will come and go like the wind. But it's in the Lord that we can find lasting peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you want peace in a time of trouble, look to God. And His peace, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart, and it will guard your mind. I found another scripture that I added that David won't have for the screen. John 6.33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. This is Jesus' words. He says, In me you have, may have peace. He says, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My friends, Jesus Christ truly indeed has overcome the world. So remember to pray. Pray for the harvest. Pray that He'll send out laborers. Church, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to pray. That God will use us, but also supply many others to help with the harvest 
that is great. He also instructed them to carry neither money bag nor knapsack, nor sandals, nor to greet anyone along the way. You know, if we get ready to go on vacation today, if we're only going for a week, it looks like we have enough stuff to go for a month. Yeah, I got her laughing. You don't see it, but Karen's laughing. You know, we'll take food, we take luggage, we get, I mean, we could stay for a month. Beach chairs. Beach chairs, you know, all that stuff. But he didn't want them to be loaded down with provisions as they were traveling from city to city. So the greatest lesson for them, of course, and for us also, was to depend upon God. Depend upon God to provide the things that they would need. It didn't mean that, and this isn't the Old Testament, they weren't going to wake up every morning and find manna laying there for them to eat. They were depend, to depend upon God to use the people that He had put in place to supply their provisions. So friends, you may not be called to be a missionary, but you may be called to help provide for the missionary. You may be the host. You may be the one to help supply the financial needs of the missionary. But let God use you. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Jesus Christ. So trust in God to provide what you need. Not your wants, but your needs. You know, the second part of that passage says, Greet no one along the road, no one along the way. When you first read that, you might think, well, that sounds a little rude. You know, people like to talk. I'm a talkable kind of person. But he said, greet no one along the road. And as I was pondering this in my heart, I thought back to many years ago, back in 1986 and 87, we were building our second house. And... When you go to build a house, you're kind of in a rush to get it under roof. You know, you've got to get the blocks laid, you've got to get the subfloor down, you've got to get the walls up and the trusses set and the roof on there. You're just, you're, you're, there's an urgency to get that accomplished. So as I was building the house, and I'm not sure if I was working on the subfloor or building walls, there was a neighbor that lived out at the end of our road. He's retired. He's got all the time in the world. So he comes back, and he wants a chit-chat. So I talk with him just a little bit. But it's like, I've got work to do. I, I, you know, I just kind of get back to work. Well, my lovely wife, she says, that was, you were kind of rude. You didn't stop and talk to him. Well, but in my mind, there's an urgency. I've got to get this house on the roof. He's retired. He didn't come to help. He came to chit-chat. And if I, would have if, if I would have stopped and talked to him for an hour today, he'd have been back tomorrow to want to talk for an hour and a half or two hours. So what took me nine months to build might have taken me 11 months. That's Jesus' point here. I'm sending you to this city and that city and this city. So if they would have stopped and talked to everyone along the way, what should have taken them three hours to get to this city might have taken three days. Jesus said there's an urgency. I want you to go to the city. There's people there that need to, need to hear the word. He had the plan. This is where I wanted you to go. Don't dilly-dally along the way. But get there. There's an urgency. Friend, 
There are souls that need saved today. There should be an urgency to get the message out there. The salvation message that Jesus Christ can save us from our sins. There needs to be an urgency today. You know, we're not building a natural house, but we're building God's house. He's using us. But let's have the same kind of urgency. He also instructed them that when you enter a house, to say peace to this house. And if the owner of the house was a son of peace, then that peace spoken by the authority that he gave them would rest upon that home. Peace be unto you was a common form of salutation among the Jews in that day. To speak, to speak peace upon a home. You know, we're called to speak peace. Peace to you. Peace in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak peace to those that God puts in your path. Speak peace upon their homes. May peace be upon your home today as you're listening. Peace in Jesus Christ. He also instructed them to remain in the same house. Eating and drinking whatever they put before you, stay there. Jesus said, I don't want you going from house to house. So what's he saying? What's he saying here? What's he mean? So if the disciples went into this city, and of course the first house they went to, they received them. They, they were very uh, hospitable. Thank you. I have trouble with the words there. Very hospitable. But maybe the house they entered, maybe they're not real well off. So maybe they're sitting down to a pot of stew and maybe some cornbread. Well, it probably been unleavened bread or bread. Maybe that's all they had was stew and some bread. But as they're there ministering in the city, well, they meet some other people. They're a little better off. Hey, why don't you come and stay with us? We've got steak and lobster. But that's what Jesus is saying. Be content where you are. Don't go from house to house. That would be disrespectful to the ones that took you in first. That would show that you're looking for more comfort. Maybe they got a better bed down there in that other house down around the corner. They have better food. No. He says, be content. Be content where you are. If they receive you, let your peace be upon them and stay there. Stay in that house. Don't go from house to house. He provides. He also instructed them, verses 10 and 12, but whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this. So they're speaking again to the city that wouldn't receive them. Know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Some similar verses found in... Other books of the gospel in Matthew 10, 14. says, And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from the, that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Mark 6, 11, And whoever will not receive nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. 
shake off the dust, a testimony against them. It's showing that that town did not receive the message from the kingdom of heaven, from the kingdom of God. It shows that they are unworthy. Anyone who rejects the message of Jesus Christ is not worthy to inherit eternal life. But what they will receive is the wrath of God. Because they rejected them. Because they rejected the message. Because they rejected God. So they, they will have no excuse. Because it came near and they rejected it. No excuse. But for those who accept, those who accept the word, accept the preaching of the disciples or the preachers today, Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. You know, when the disciples return from their mission, they are riding on a spiritual high, aren't they? They are excited. They were amazed. Lord, the demons even obeyed us. We were able to open blind eyes. We laid our hands on the cripples and strength returned to their legs. They got up and ran and jumped and rejoiced and glorified you. We, we touched the tongues of the mute and they were able to talk. They were just out of this world amazed. Have you ever been to a healing service where you've seen someone receive a touch from the Lord? Yeah, I, I have. It's awesome. It's a wonderful thing to see somebody touched by the Lord. But it's not, it don't even have to be something that great. Just a nice revival service will get you excited. Seeing the Lord work. Get you excited. They were excited. We can get excited today. But Jesus says, do not rejoice in these things. Don't rejoice in those miracles. Man, I'd love to, let's just love to walk through the nursing home and just lay hands on everybody and they could just leave that place and get out of there. That would be wonderful. Praise God. But he says they're nothing. Basically saying they're nothing. Why are they nothing? Because they're unimportant in heaven. Because we're not going to, there won't be any lame people in heaven. There won't be any sick people in heaven. They're nothing compared to your names being written in the Lamb's book of life. They're not that important when you look to eternity. Because that's where we need to look. The book of life is your name written. The book of life is a record written by God listing the names of those who believed in His Son, Jesus Christ. The books, sometimes called the book in heaven or book of life or the book of the Lamb, is mentioned even in the Old Testament. Some, there it may just say books. Daniel 12, 1 and 2 says, And at that time Michael shall stand up, that great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, 
and some to everlasting contempt. Also in Daniel 7.10, says a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The courts were seated and the books, plural, the books were open. So there's more than one book. To find out more about this more than one book, we'll look to Revelations. Revelation. Chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. This is the New Living Translation. Did I not send that information? Okay. And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from His presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God's throne. And books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what, what had been done, as recorded in his books. The sea gave up, this, gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose names was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. There are some today that will say, oh, we all go to heaven. We're all going to go to heaven, my friends. Wrong. That is not true. That is not true. Those who are not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. Will not get to enjoy eternal life with God the Father and Jesus Christ. How do I get my name in that book? If you're not sure that it's there, how do I get it in there? My friends, you accept Jesus Christ's invitation to be born again. You can't pay your way into the book. You can't do enough good deeds to have your name into that book. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from, what nation you're from. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, man or woman, black or white or yellow. It doesn't matter if you used to worship other gods, follow different religions. But what matters right now is that you receive the invitation from Jesus Christ to be born again. That you repent of your sins, believe that He is the Son of God, and fully surrender your life to Him. That's the invitation. Do not reject it. That's the invitation that He sent the disciples out to preach in the cities. And those that rejected, they wiped the dust off their feet. My friends, those that reject Him today will be the same thing, like they wiped the dust off their feet because it was before you and you rejected it. In Matthew 22, verses 10, or 2 through 10, Jesus shares this parable about the kingdom of heaven. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle are killed, and all things are ready. 
come to the wedding. God's saying, come, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard, it, heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servant, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. They were not worthy because they rejected his invitation. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. My friends, again, don't reject God's invitation. Receive His invitation to believe on His Son, Jesus Christ, and your names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelations 3, 5 says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Isn't that awesome? What does it mean to be overcome, or to overcome, not be overcome? The Greek word is nikeo. It means to overpower. To me, to be victorious. It means to be victorious. And there's only one way possible that we can be victorious and that we can overpower the enemy. That we can overpower the things of the world. That we can overpower tribulation and persecution. And that is through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit in us. We can overcome. We can be overcomers. And then He will confess us before the Father. If we just believe in Him, allow Him to be our Lord, He shall confess our name before the Father. That is the good news. That is the good news of the kingdom of God. That His Son has come. His Son has come. We might just pick right up there with this overcoming next week because it's Easter. Because that is our victory. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's where we'll pick up next week with the resurrection. Speaking of Easter. Amen.